Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a professional blog, an online store, whatever your next move might be in 2017, tackle it with Squarespace. Start your free trial today. Build a website for free at squarespace.com and use the offer code CANADALAND to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move. Sandy Garasino. Yes. <laughs> Associate <laughs> Editor with the National Observer, joining me from Vancouver. We're going to talk today about Kevin O'Leary getting into the conservative leadership race. <laughs> We're going to talk about your premier, Christy Clark, making her uh, international debut in the New York Times. And we'll, we'll be talking about uh, Justin Trudeau's bad week. Welcome to Canada Land Shortcuts. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Boy, this sounds like it's going to be fun. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Patrick Richard, Stephanie Ryan, Dadiv Harder, Bryn Ossington, Lewis Bennett, Srinivas Murti, Michael, and Sachin Hingu. 
Sachin, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I think if we can learn anything from 2016, it's that we need a strong and accountable media more than ever. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Sandy, it's January. It's a whole new year. Many people out there, I don't know if you're one of them, have been kind of thinking about launching a project or finally getting their act together to put their their portfolio website up or get a website for their business. I don't know. Have you ever had to build a website? Yes, I have. Then you will know the frustrations that go along with this. It's uh, it's a pain to build one from scratch. And if you hire even a wonderful person, well, then you're beholden to them forever. You're married. And anytime anything goes wrong, you have to hope that that person can like get back to you immediately because you don't want your website to be down or not working for even a day. All of this is solved if you use Squarespace. Squarespace will help you get your next move together, whatever it might be. You just go ahead and plug your information to their beautifully pre-designed templates. It updates automatically. You never have to patch or install anything. And they have 24-7 support. All of their support is in-house. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CanadaLand. You'll get 10% off of your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This is it, everybody. I'm about to go onto that set and announce that I'm going to join the leadership race of the Conservative Party. I'm so excited. It's time. I'm jumping into the race right now. I'm really excited because the potential of this country is absolutely immense. It's just really mismanaged. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'm confused. If Kevin O'Leary is running for conservative leader, who will defeat Superman? <laughs> well, what can you say about this? I mean, the, 
nothing would make Kevin O'Leary a candidate in any other environment except the existence of Donald Trump, who has already, before he's even been inaugurated, been an international disaster and everybody can see it. So I don't know where this is all going to go. I think he said in the past, oh, there's too many people in the race. I'm not going to join when there's... So he joins now. (laughs) There's 14 people running for leader. And so what's the timing about? Well, it's the day after the French debate. Of course, because the man cannot speak French. He's just disqualified. It's just that simple. But... You know, he's going to try and he's going to get lots of PR. I mean, he's good at self-promotion. You know, Kevin O'Leary's best product is Kevin O'Leary. I don't know what kind of profile he has in in Quebec. Do you know? I don't think that he has much to speak of. And I guess uh, common wisdom has been you simply are are a non-starter. You cannot lead a national party in this country with any hope of governing if you don't speak French. Uh, he said he's going to try to learn. I, I think maybe he thinks he can spin that, 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 that that's part of his image. And it's, it's this whole challenging those conventional wisdoms and saying, well, you know, these people, they don't care. They don't speak their language. They know that I'm the right guy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see that messaging. I guess so. But I, I, I think that the problems uh, of Quebec for a politician, particularly a conservative politician, go a lot deeper than just being francophone. I mean, Quebec right now is uh, very, very sensitized to the whole pipeline issue. And Kevin O'Leary has gone whole hog in Alberta, attacking Rachel Notley on the carbon tax and on um, emissions cap and, and that sort of thing. So he has, as many conservatives have, and this is going to be a bit of a, a waterloo for them, I think, in Quebec, fully, fully sided with the very conservative approach that Jason Kenney has in Alberta. Now translate that to Quebec. Well, in Quebec, uh, Stephen Harper got 17% of the vote. Quebecers have a long memory, and the conservatives under Harper were reviled through two elections. And what Trudeau was able to do was to really crack that. He was able to put his own father's legacy in the rearview mirror and present a whole new uh, personality in that province. So he broke open the bloc's dominance and stranglehold on Quebec. They have 78 seats. I just don't think this is as simple as, well, he's not a francophone. It's more than that. I think that there's real possibility that he would revive Quebec nationalism. We could see a constitutional crisis reopen should he become a really significant figure. And I think this is true, actually, of a lot of conservatives who have really strongly um, aligned themselves with uh, the most conservative elements in Alberta. I think he'll just deal with that when he has to. I mean, I think you're absolutely right that that, that if, if you think about this too long and hard, it just seems like it could never happen. And That's what we thought about Trump, too. Right. So so you're right that, the, that we're going to just make not a meal, but like a month-long feast uh, out of this, uh, we in the media. It's hard not to, whether you go uh, with ridicule or you do the diligence and you just start to vet a candidate as you would any other. I just did some like basic clicking around and found a quote from one contested uh, episode of the Lang and O'Leary Exchange. This is Kevin O'Leary speaking back then, and they seem to have taken the video off, uh, not through any nefarious, just because CBC is terrible with archiving. This is what he said. Elect me as prime minister, 
I will make unions illegal. Anybody who remains a union member will be thrown <laughs> in jail. And I think they've already been getting their counter message together. Oh, that was a character he played on TV. This is the real Kevin O'Leary. I can see already, like, I want to learn something from what happened in the States. I think that this is exactly what they're into, is that, you know, let's dig up everything we can on this guy, and then they can come back with, with whether it was just a joke or whether we're clutching our pearls and, and oh, yeah, that one's serious. So, yeah, he means it. And meanwhile, it's Kevin O'Leary, Kevin O'Leary all the time. You will be seeing that name a lot in the press, and I think he just is a very cynical and savvy opportunist who will play you know, these situations as they come up and, you know, you, you cross one hurdle and you might have to say some atrocious things and then you change entirely in order to seem acceptable for the next one. So I don't I don't laugh this off. I think that if you look at like this gallery of, of uh, non-charismatics that the conservatives have lined up, uh, this guy, he's got a good shot. That's one of the consequences of having a really wide field. And that tr- Trump really benefited from that. And it may benefit O'Leary. I'm interested in what his purpose is. And I kind of think that his purpose may have been the same as Trump's originally was, which was to uh, build the Trump brand and O'Leary probably wants to uh, build his brand. I I hope that listeners might go to our profile of him that Bruce Livesey did on the disaster that he was for the Mattel company. He almost took down Mattel, if you can believe that. Their joint venture, their takeover of the learning company through uh, Kevin O'Leary ended up costing them billions of dollars, forced the ouster of the CEO, and uh, made it described as one of the worst deals of all time. It nearly took down the company. So, you know, maybe Canadians should look at this and conservatives should look at this too. My prediction is that Trump is going to very shortly show himself to be such a catastrophe uh, in making the transition from business failure to political leader that O'Leary was going to lose credibility by the hour. I read Bruce Livesey's work, terrific work, on Kevin O'Leary years ago in The Globe and Mail and then again in The National Observer where he essentially proves – that Kevin O'Leary is not a genius businessman. He just plays one on TV. Mm-hmm. But if the suggestion is that the masses of Canadians who have been fooled by this guy's image to learn that he, in fact, is not a business genius would disqualify him from uh, you know, t- taking public office by storm, uh, again, we have an example to the contrary. I know. I mean, well, then, it's the same. It's you know. the same thing. And what's what's hilarious and, 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 and kind of sad, actually, is how easy it is for guys in sharp suits to pass themselves off as great businessmen and ergo business or great leaders. I, I also think that O'Leary's, you know, I, I just, it's hard for me to even imagine that this is going to go anywhere because, you know, Donald Trump can name his own cabinet out of his list of personal friends or anybody who owes him favors or that he owes favors to. But the conservative leader, should they, should that this person be elected prime minister, has to choose their cabinet out of the elected MPs. And I, I just don't see this guy uniting the country or uniting the party, being able to lead this party. I just, uh, you get the picture. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I know people who, I mean, the guy's in show business and I, I know people who worked with him on reality shows and said, you know, he very much is playing this, this mean Mr. Mean. Maybe he might even be 
unlike Trump, not that guy 24-7. Mm-hmm. And people who worked with him said, you know what? When, when they stopped shooting, he just like, it's a job. Everyone was just there to do their job, and he would be fairly pleasant to deal with. He was the first guy in Canada to figure out if you just sort of look the part and say ridiculous things. It makes for kind of, you know, more interesting than just the usual boring stuff. And it propelled him to just being like incredibly present for year after year on Canadian TV. Mm-hmm. Who took him seriously? I mean, maybe maybe it's the entertainment value will will we'll hold here. What does it take for BC to get a mention in the New York Times? When reporter Dan Levin was here, he heard about Christy Clark's annual stipend, where her premier's salary gets topped up every year by 50 grand in political money from her party. This was in developing world country. Uh, it would just be written off as corruption. But here, because it's not illegal, it seems to just get a pass. So, Sandy. Yes? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Christy Clark gets this crazy $50,000 top-up from her party is old news here in Canada. But the New York Times reported on it. And now the fact that the New York Times reported on it is news in Canada. Well, I guess the the news is that it's the news. Does anybody in Toronto pay attention to BC? You know what? I will admit that I knew, I, like, I had this vague, hazy sense of like, oh yeah, corruption, money, BC, Christy Clark. And it took the New York Times, and I don't imagine that it's for lack of other journalists doing just as good a job, but they do tend to do a really good overview. I was pretty shocked to learn that the... Ethics commissioner, <laughs> whose <laughs> whose job it was to determine whether or not there was any impropriety, uh, and who found that there was no impropriety, <laughs> has a son who is a minister in Christy Clark's administration and is himself a donor to her party. Welcome to British Columbia politics. Yes, our conflict of interest commissioner is the father of a deputy minister in Christy wow. Clark's government. So we know how to do things here. That's that's pretty good. I, I I can't believe that that somehow missed my attention. That is that does seem like Banana Republic level. Yeah, corruption. yeah. And the weirdness is that. Most observers here in British Columbia pretty much expect that she is going to win the next election. And the reason that that they think that is not because Christy Clark is tremendously popular. I mean, going into the last election, she was famously incredibly unpopular, but she is an extremely good campaigner. She is very, very good at working a room. She is great at raising money. I mean, we reported in our sister publication, the Vancouver Observer in 2015, that she was able to get more Alberta oil and gas money than the Alberta Conservatives. So uh, out of Alberta, huh? she go, she went to the Petroleum Club in Calgary, did fundraisers there. With Alberta billionaires getting Alberta oil and gas money, you know, and then she then she pretends to be, you know, well, we really care about the BC coastline and and pipeline issues, but you know, a huge huge amount of her uh, war chest comes from uh, oil and gas. I was going to say that this idea that she's a great campaigner. It sounds like she's got the money to be a great campaigner. The last election, all she did was put on a hard hat and wear a construction vest and go around smile around the province and and say jobs, 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 and and that worked. 
Uh, and it, I think it will again very largely because she has astutely fanned support of the BC Green Party, which is eating the lunch of the NDP. So her opposition is being split, classic split the opposition and, and go up the middle and it'll be very interesting to see if she can be stopped this time. I was surprised by a lot of this. I didn't know that there is basically no rules prohibiting campaign donations of any kind, be it from from foreign businesses, be it from uh, companies like Imperial Metals, and I'm quoting the Times piece again, the owner of a mine tailings pond that spilled billions of gallons of toxic debris in 2014 and was then permitted to operate an even larger mine. Imperial Metals did not respond to a request for comment. So, I mean, if you tell people, oh, politician, you know, conflict of interest, uh, hints of corruption, money in politics, I think people glaze over because they suspect that that's happening anyhow. Mm -hmm. You're not telling them anything they didn't Mm -hmm. know. It's the the effect, it's the impact of those conflicts. It's the fact that a massively polluting uh, company like Imperial Metals can line the pockets and then get permission to go ahead and operate an even larger mine. Well, exactly. And and one of the things that magnifies this effect, Jesse, in BC is that we're not a big head office province. I mean, Vancouver doesn't even get onto the top list of number of corporate head offices uh, per capita in the country. There's a reason Toronto will pay attention <clears throat> excuse me, to Calgary and not Vancouver. And that's because of of the financial power and the and the corporate concentration there. So when you're looking at all of these corporate donations, I mean <laughs> these are from these are from people across Canada, companies across Canada, but it's I mean the number of people in BC is very small. You could almost fit them in a room. The access to power is incredibly magnified because she knows, she knows perfectly well who gave what and how much they gave. And they're very good friends. So if Toronto doesn't pay attention to Vancouver and Christy Clark can basically operate in a, in, in a sense because Vancouver is never going to vote conservative – and the the, le- the vote on the left is split. Does the Times coverage embarrass anyone into any kind of alarm? Or I mean, I, you know, you could draw comparisons here to Ontario. Like, you know, there's <laughs> it doesn't seem like you can govern us badly enough for us to get rid of our provincial government <laughs> here. Is it the same situation where there's just like this? No, there's nothing that they can do that won't get them out of office. You cannot embarrass us into voting rationally. All right, Sandy. Now is the time on Shortcuts where we take a moment to duly note some things that we would like to have duly noted. Can you begin? Well, one thing that really interests me is uh, Trudeau's appointment of Christia Freeland, her promotion uh, to foreign minister, I think is is a huge shot across the bow um, and signal to the Russians that we're taking things very, very seriously. There's some context there. Can you explain that to our listeners? The context being that Freeland herself, uh, on her maternal grandparents, were from Ukraine. Her mother, I believe, was born in Ukrainian refugee camp after the Russians invaded Ukraine. Of course, we know that uh, there's a lot of saber-rattling in Eastern Europe right now. Russia is making everybody there 
very, very nervous. And of course, we all know of the apparent conflict, you know, Russia's been fingered as having interfered in the U.S. election. So for Trudeau to appoint uh, someone who is very clearly going to be counter to Russia's interests, and in fact, Freeland herself has been on a um, a no-go list. She's been blocked to entry to Russia. So I think this is a very significant signal and a bold move. And in an interesting one for Trudeau, whose public persona is a, shall we say, it's a little bit on the doughy, flexible, nice guy, you know, sweet meter. But this move, I think, is very much in the opposite direction. Duly noted. I would like to note that uh, there's been a milestone I've been wondering for months now what media organization would be the first to sort of legitimize what you see popping up in the comments ever since the scandal broke out. You know, in the midst of everything else we learned, there was always somebody saying, I don't care what he did. I I liked him on the radio. Bring back Jean Gameshi. And I've been wondering who would be the first to actually publish that, you know, like in a in like a like a real newspaper. And I can't say I'm terribly surprised that it's the National Post. Mm-hmm. Nor can I say, <laughs> nor can I express much surprise as to who actually said it. It was Conrad Black, <laughs> but there was still something in there. There's still something in there that, that that gave me a little bit of a surprise. I'll read you the quote from uh, Conrad Black's uh, most recent column. Really, just barfed out everything that would make the country better in one column. In in the in the view of Conrad Black, and uh, he wrote, "Bring back the acquitted John Gameshi and the unoffending Evan Solomon and Amanda Lang." And get rid of the idiots who persecuted them. This is a guy who thinks Donald Trump is really great, too. So this is perfect, you know? <laughs> totally. And, and you know, Conrad Black has, has a dog in the fight of, of vindicating people who uh, have been persecuted unfairly, in his view. I, I, I think that everything he says is just about Conrad Black. But, Sandy, get rid of the idiots who persecuted them? Did, did, did Lord Black just put out a hit on me? <laughs> How am I to be gotten rid of? I guess me and Kevin Donovan and, and, and Sean Craig, who wrote about Amanda Lang for us. What, what, what does one do to get rid of us? Canada land will get rid of you in due course. I you, what can you say? I mean, this is Conrad Black, who is, by the way, what the hell is he even doing here? I thought he was done with Canada, but I guess that we're the only country that'll have him now. When he when he raises his head above the parapet in media circles in any other country, he's laughed out of town. You know what? I have always enjoyed him immensely as disgusting as many of the things he says are and as, as much of a cartoon character as he is, he's just sort of like, you kind of can't believe this guy actually exists. And the few occasions where I'd see him in person at something, he, he just looked this, like this big pampered baby mm-hmm. who had this like kind of, this sort of glowing, this the ego, yeah. like there's something magnetic about how silly he was. I spotted him at a restaurant a few months ago with Barbara and I don't know, they just looked smaller than I remember. Mm. And the thing about Conrad Black as well is that you know, he has really benefited and benefited himself from the kind of meekness of Canadian discourse, don't you think? I mean, where we have a, a very hard time confronting bluster, and he just he just had it. And the other thing that Canadians have about Conrad Black is that, you know, anybody who's got 
a bigger thesaurus than they do just intimidates them. And, 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 and he, it's almost like he's, he's got it on Rolodex. So I'll pull out this big word and everybody will shut up. You know, well put, uh, you know, the, the, the meekness of Canadian discourse made him an outlier and, and he was terrifically entertaining, you know, for, for a long time. And he is entertaining. I mean, that's the thing yeah. in person. This is a raconteur of really phenomenal skill. He's a great storyteller and, a, and he is an entertainer figure, but he's not a serious thinker. No, or, or a serious presence. And I think that the one big gesture being the National Post, like, what, what, what is this guy about when you add it all up at the end of it? I guess it's it's not over yet, but uh, but maybe it's curtains for me. Maybe I'm the one who <laughs> will be gotten rid of first. Duly noted. All right. Uh, Justin Trudeau is uh, on a big national tour. He will not be in the United States for the inauguration. And so he's just been, you know, meeting with the people and having folly after folly. I'm going to play you one thing uh, that uh, came up in a town hall where he was uh, talking about his compassion and empathy and understanding of the immigrant experience in Canada. You know, I'm a 10th or 11th generation Canadian on one of my sides. I'm a, uh, but my maternal grandfather was born in Scotland, so I, I, uh, I do... Uh, have some idea of of the challenges uh, it takes to come to Canada and has took uh, over the sweep of history of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's one. He gets the immigrant experience because of because uh, his maternal grandfather was born in Scotland. Then there was this delicious, delicious little selfie video. Um, I'll play you the audio, but it doesn't really do it justice because you got to see the thing for it to make sense. But uh, these, these, these two young women ask uh, JT for a selfie, and this is what that sounded like. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, can we also hey get a selfie? For sure. Thank for sure to see you guys. Hey there. Are you planning on implementing Andrew? Uh, absolutely, yes. Does that for mean sure. requiring Thank consent hey. for natural Good resource projects? Absolutely. We need, right. to, we need to engage with uh, a broad range of voices, and uh, as we've seen, uh, the Indigenous communities uh, have uh, positions on both sides of just about every different project. Um, the, the visuals uh, add another layer to that. I, I think the audio, he, you know, he actually handles the question pretty well. And if you couldn't hear it, they 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 ask him for a selfie, and uh, as he's grinning, and I think like a ritual that he must perform <laughs> a, a thousand times a day, they drop a pretty tough question: Are you going to implement UNDRIP, the, the the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People? He answered it pretty quickly, but there's a moment where this look of profound panic crosses his face, and he just gets out of the frame. <laughs> And it's amazing. And really, this should be standard operating procedure. Like, if you want to ask Trudeau a tough question, just ask for a selfie and then mid, mid-selfie ask the question. He remembered his policy on it. He's like, yes, we're going to implement it. But, of course, then they, they follow up. And they had a follow-up, and it was a tough one. Does that mean that Indigenous people in Canada are going to have a veto if it's a nation-to-nation relationship? And, uh, and he says, sure, but, of course, on any major issue, you know, Indigenous communities are divided. So we'll just decide which side of the divide best suits our agenda and, you know, kind of divide these communities more against each other by by picking our favorite. Absolutely. And we will really agreeably agree with everybody and then do what we want. 
Yes. yes. And it again actually brings up something that came up through the Joseph Boyden thing, which is like who actually represents indigenous people in this country? If, of course, like any people, there's more than one opinion if you ask, you know, whether something is okay mm. or not. And if if you just can basically choose your leader as to who's going to represent, um, you know, th- that question seems to be a very live one in this in this era of reconciliation. But it, it, it just kept happening to, to Trudeau. There was some question about racism and, and his answer involved putting uh, Viola Desmond on the $10 bill. Then there was, of course, something a bit more serious than just a flub that just makes you question the judgment. And I don't really care where Trudeau goes on vacation. I think it's kind of cool that he's friends with the Aga Khan. But there's just like an explicit rule about not taking like private jets and private helicopter rides. And he took a private helicopter ride to this island. And it just looks like I, I guess I'm kind of wondering how you get get around what looks like a pretty basic violation of a law. And I guess we'll see because there's going to be the whole ethics inquiry into it. It's it's an interesting one because I think Trudeau should and unquestionably follow uh, all the guidelines. It is an interesting one because the Aga Khan is kind of not like the other billionaires in the sense that, you know, he doesn't really have business interests here in Canada and I mean what people are kind of focusing on is that well he's a philanthropist who gives millions and millions of dollars around the world and Canada joins in some of those projects so it's it's a funny one I really look forward to the to the ethics inquiry on this one and obviously I mean, should go without saying the prime minister should follow the rules it's very simple it feels like a lot of these debates are about casting stones and then having them turn into boomerangs that come back at you and who has the high ground and if you seem like you're like trying to spin a crazy conspiracy theory about the corruption of the Aga Khan or the influence then that's going to hurt you more than but like no one needs to actually connect those dots I don't think that I think that this is not a story about corruption no it just sounds like it's a story about entitlement and arrogance uh if anything like and judgment I'm just wondering like didn't you know that and did you think you that, that that no one would know that, or wasn't there anyone around you to advise you? Like, couldn't you have done just not done that? There are these strange ways that Justin Trudeau, you, you know, I think the public has the Canadian public has a has a picture of Justin Trudeau, and then it's like every once in a while, the mirror slips, or and, and we and we see inside that there's a whole other world. Like, oh yeah, I go on. Uh, holidays to the Aga Khan's private island. Every once in a while, we see something else. And, you know, this quote about uh, my maternal grandfather being an immigrant. Well, I mean, just so that people know, Justin Trudeau's maternal grandfather was a cabinet minister, James Sinclair. He lived and represented the British properties. The British properties in West Vancouver um, Uh actually have uh, restrictive covenants still on land title that say that Asians cannot buy them. Now, those are not recognized by the courts, but actually, if you buy a house on the British properties today, your title deed will say that you cannot sell that property 
to an Asian. And that is the establishment that his grandfather represented. He he didn't come over here huddled on a boat playing the fiddle. This is not the immigrant experience. That's how much he understands the immigrant experience. (laughs) Look, this guy had a crazy life. He was just like, you know, nuzzling with Fidel Castro as a baby and like the whole drama with his mom. I mean, growing up in Ottawa, like it's, it's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own unique story. But the idea that this is somebody that had an experience remotely like any, anyone else or can relate to any, the immigrant experience, the common person experience, that there wouldn't be weird, you know, entitlements in your vision of the world. You know, and we're seeing a mixture of that very strange upbringing and also just some of the original stuff was just like, is this guy polished? Is he ready? I mean, he's gone through a pretty rigorous regimen, I think, to inure him against some of these flubs, mm-hmm. but there's only so much you can polish it up, you know? Well, at the same time, you know, one of the things I keep coming back to those debate performances during the election, and this is a guy who works extremely hard. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you don't really understand the immigrant experience, but actually look at how he performed during the election, and especially those touches immediately after the election when he was so welcoming, open to um, minority figures in public. Don't underestimate this guy. It has always led to failure. I don't want there to be any confusion. I'm not suggesting that he isn't a big sweetie pie. And I'm not super, super defending him either. I just, everybody always thinks that they've, now they've really got it on Justin Trudeau. And that has not really panned out. Does this man contain magnitudes? Are there like limitless depths to him? Or is it one of these things where like, if there ain't much there, you can guess for like, you know, wow. Is this the complicated character? Deep down, he's really shallow. I don't know. Sandy, thank you. Okay. Thank you. That was your Canada Land Shortcuts. I do hope you enjoyed it. You can email me about it anytime you like, and I can be reached at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send me, and I respond when I can. We are on Twitter, at CanadaLand. Sandy, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, at Garosino, G-A-R-O-S-S-I-N-O. And follow me on the National Observer. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. If you live in Saskatoon and you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, I will be doing a live taping of Canada Land at 8 p.m. at the Cosmo Senior Center as part of the Winterruption Festival. We'll be talking about the killing of Colton Bushy. This show is produced by Katie Jensen. Canada Land is syndicated by Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.